Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard pivoted out of campus-based positions and have experienced success by translating our education skills into a new career path. With almost 16,000 downloads across our 35 episodes in our previous seasons, the need is clear and we're back for Season 3. For show notes and information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. Our inboxes are clear that you all need support with your pivot. Therefore, if you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, check out our website for pivoting resources and our consultation services. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Now, sit back and get ready to be inspired. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. I'm Tom Studdard. And I'm Jamie Hoffman. And today I am uber excited to invite a former colleague of mine from our days at USC, uh, Leah, uh, I'm going to, here I am, I asked you to pronounce your last name and I'm going to butcher it again, Leah Schuler. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, good. I should, <laughs> okay. As I just Everybody say, does. We're, former, we're former colleagues <laughs> and then I butcher your last name, which is horrible. Um, so thank you for joining the show. We're really excited to have you say hello to our guests. Hi, everyone. So excited to be chatting with Jamie and Tom today. Well, thank you. We're even more excited to be chatting with you. And I I will say the reason that I wanted to reach out beyond the fact that we're Facebook friends and LinkedIn friends and have worked together is I am excited about your background because not your background in higher ed. I mean, we all are excited about that. But what you've done post higher ed, because it's different than any of the guests that we've interviewed so far, we've, we've typically focused on ed tech and corporate, but you went in nonprofit um, and um, have a really interesting story to tell. And I'm excited for folks who might be interested in going in that direction to hear from you and to hear your advice. And so, um, you know, let's, let's actually just get started and have you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background, particularly um, in higher ed. And then when you chose to make the pivot, why you chose and what was that first position? Sure. Um, so my background, very traditional, um, you know, out of college, went to graduate school um, and got my um, MED, right, um, at Maryland. So go Terps. And residential life pretty much for the first, you know, eight, nine years. Did also some housing, director of housing roles, and then, you know, assistant dean going kind of up the ranks to conduct through the conduct um, sector. And yeah, had got my doctorate at USC as well. So <laughs> I lived, worked, was a resident, was a TA in their master's program for higher ed and even taught courses. So pretty, pretty much a really strong Trojan. And that was, that was a great experience, but it was really hard. It was hard to leave. <laughs> um, but with my doctorate, I felt that pressure to do that and keep on moving up. And um, there weren't a lot of opportunities if I wanted to stay in residence life, which I still kind of did at uh, that point in my career. Um, and it kept on finding that, right? Like there's this big, huge like pool of entry-level positions. And then it goes like that reverse funnel, right? And I'm just not, I'm competitive with myself, but I don't like being competitive with my friends. And so, you know, I'd be like, oh, that's a really cool position. And I'd find out a friend was applying and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go up against somebody and, and have that, you know? Um, so I was kind of like, well, that's nuts. Like, why? <laughs> you know? 
like, why are you, you know, knocking yourself out for, for really very little, like your, my chances of success were really small. And so I was probably my last like director of housing job at Cal State and it was not, it was just not, I wasn't loving it. I had, you know, I had had a lot more, I think, success on the academic side of the house running, you know, academic programs. And I really liked working at, at not so much in everyone's everyday life, like our students and and living with them. And it was like, okay, I'm getting, you know, older now. And so maybe like having, and I was having a family. And so I really wanted to kind of be a little bit more, have that work-life balance. Still didn't find it very much um, as a program, you know, running programs, but it was a lot easier to do when I was running like MBA programs. So came home to California, back into housing because it was, you know, quick and easy for me to make that transition for, you know, personal reasons, came back to California and um, was like, yeah, no, this is not, it's not for me anymore. It's the, you know, I felt like higher ed really changed and student affairs definitely changed. I don't know if it's the helicopter parents. I don't know if it was me becoming a parent, but I was just like, don't want to do that anymore. So um, stopped, (laughs) stopped out hard and started volunteering for um, an international organization and started working for an international organization, Habitat for Humanity, um, at the local level and, um, or started volunteering. And pretty much by like the second or third time I'd volunteered, <laughs> one of their, their director of resource development was like, you're really talented and you've got a doctorate. What do you, you know, like, would you like to come on and, you know, consult with us? And I was like, yes, absolutely. So there was an opening in volunteer engagement. And so I was consulting. And then uh, when we realized that the volunteer manager who was out on FMLA wasn't going to come back, um, I applied. <laughs> I didn't really apply. I just said, hey, I'd like to apply. And they're like, oh, good thing, because we we're going to offer it to somebody. And I was like, oh, <laughs> So I said, well, yes, I, I do want it. And and um, like everyone there was like, yeah, we don't need to interview her. She's been with us for the last six months. Like we've been paying her for the last six months. Let's just make her a staff member. So yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Volunteer management. And, and if you had told me I was going, two things. If you had told me I was going to be in nonprofit, I would have been like, I'm already in nonprofit. I work in higher education. And then I got to Habitat and boy, did I learn what a mission-driven organization really is about. So I would say if anyone, you know, like, oh, loves the higher ed mission and education, right? And yes, um, but if you really like go to a nonprofit, you will really understand what being a, working for a mission-driven organization is what that really means. And I I think that was my biggest, like, and when I realized why I loved nonprofit so much because it was yeah like just everything about it seemed so much like we talk the mission we live the mission or you know and it's it's amazing and it's also very like I sleep great at night you know yeah I love that I <laughs> I and, and and you know like I said at the beginning that's that is why I wanted to to have you on the show is you know people people who are listening to this who are mission driven, but are working in a university who, you know, for all intents and purposes, universities are mission driven, but it's a, it's a different feel than when you're working with a nonprofit um, who both is, is mission driven and is, you know, fully based on, you know, um, I, I've had some friends who've worked for nonprofits like the American Cancer Society, et cetera. Um, and, 
you know, every dime that is brought in, you know, is like, oh, we got a dime. Oop, we got a quarter. And, you know, it's a little different at the university that, yes, is nonprofit, but we're talking about millions of dollars that are being funneled into the university, particularly at the institutions that we worked at. And it's it, it feels very different. Um, I, before I, I turn it back to Jamie, who always gets mad at me because I love to ask so many follow-up questions. Um, one of the things that you said that I really loved, and I think that will resonate really well with our guests or with our um, listeners is that inverse funnel, right? Um, of You get all this education and you sort of start in residence life or you start in academic advising or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of the entry-level positions and then whoop, there's one director, there's one dean. And you know, as a result, what that's forced us to do, right, is move a lot. And you've done this. You've gone to Texas. You've gone to California. I know I lived in like five states before I finally settled, you know, in the world <laughs> I'm in now. Um, but it is so true. Like, you know, and I think that that's driving a lot of of why people are, you know, certainly the pandemic, certainly, you know, the as, as I've shared before, the five five different positions becoming one um, and somebody having to do all five roles is, is part of the reason for sort of the great exodus uh, and the great resignation, particularly from higher ed. But I also think that that there's an awakening of the type of person going into higher ed now is like, oh, wait, I didn't realize that there's a position I'm going to have to move and move and move and move in order to to be successful. And that's not sustainable, particularly as we've been introduced to remote work and remote work being an option. Um, so I really love that you brought that up because I think that that's something that our, that our listeners will be like, oh yeah, that's why I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So thumbs up for those companies or organizations that, you know, did pivot well, as far as being good, you know, for their, um, their workforce and their, you know, employees. Um, because yeah, a lot of this stuff can be done remotely and and should be if if that's an option. Um, so I, yeah, I could not agree more. Like yeah, I couldn't imagine living in residence life and have you know being able to remote. Like <laughs> yeah, they're like you're there, go in. <laughs> so yeah, I do enjoy that. And uh, yeah, and so that was that was really interesting. We had to with like I said, I was originally in volunteer management, um, and I was able to build up my staff. Um, I had AmeriCorps as well as a coordinator, so a professional full-time coordinator. So, you know, all that, um, you know, my having been an RD and running staffs and having been a director of housing, like that all comes into play. Um, and um, gosh, I, I think when the pandemic hit and, you know, of course it was like, we're going to try this for two weeks from home, you know, take your laptop. And then, you know, by the second day we were like oh <laughs> it's like we were all running back in getting our second monitors and you know because like this is not going away and so yeah so I, you know it was a lot of fun learning how to build a team you know build the team back up because we had lost some people because of the pandemic and then and then my role um changed fairly quickly um because we wanted to preserve people's positions and so in order for my coordinator and volunteer services to remain, I was asked to move over into like frontline fundraising. Um, so, so technically now I think I'm in my second, well, I guess, yeah, third role at Habitat because it was, you know, consultant and manager for volunteer programs and now manager for corporate and foundation partnerships. Um, and so, you know, to, to learn that, like, you know, from home, <laughs> remotely when it's such a, you know, in the past, it's been such a face-to-face, -face, you know, fundraising is, is a lot of face-to-face -face and phone calls. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a lot of what higher ed did really prepared me for 
for this role. I, I mean, like I said, the the you know how to um, run programs, which you know are like called events in in nonprofits. Um, staff or staff, great, you know, <laughs> um, you know your volunteers are like when you would recruit you know students to be in any of your clubs or organizations. Um, you know, leadership development's leadership development. You know, the people are just a little bit yeah. older and have better stories yeah. or more stories, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it was. It has been a lot. It's not, I'm not tooting my own horn. It's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, uh, as far as like, oh, I could step right in because I have such a strong background in higher ed because I have that yeah. student affairs background. Yeah, and it's definitely reassuring for our listeners, you know, when they hear folks on the podcast talk about the immense amount of transferable skills yes. that that we just don't even realize that we have. But then you think about all of the things that, that we've had to do. So I think you you highlight that really well. And I think, too, um, you know, given Tom noted, like a lot of our listeners do contact us and ask about working at a um, different kind of a nonprofit than education, because that is kind of one of the next things, if not that, or it's either that or ed tech that they want to go into. And you noted one difference um, about campus-based education and uh, nonprofit being the real values-driven component. Are there any other things that you think it would be useful for folks to know about moving to a um, a nonprofit organization, either sort of the good things and and challenges. You know, I know that if you're comfortable with sharing your knowledge of this, but I know a lot of times people assume that they may or may not get a higher salary when they leave a campus-based position, and I feel like that's a potential thing to consider if moving to a nonprofit. So. Um, yeah, we just love to hear what you see are some of the differences in that space. Sure. So I would say it all, it depends on which nonprofit you're looking at. Like if you were looking for like a very independent, like something very regional based, probably you're, it, it, it's maybe a little bit better than higher ed, uh, salary wise, a lot better work-life balance, sleep great at night. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I don't just mean like literally sleep better at night because you don't have a pager or you're not on call. But if you really love that mission, it's great. Like it's it's a joy to come and even ask people. Like as scary as it might sound, like oh my gosh, I couldn't ask people for money. Heck yeah, because I love the mission. And we need you know we, like we need money to you know build houses right at Habitat. So <laughs> it's like of course I'm going to ask for money. And so, yes, I think it's, you know, really like loving the mission, knowing the mission, like, you know, why it exists, like that's really important as opposed to like, you know, most people in America have gone to school, right? So they, I mean, not even necessarily higher ed, but, you know, at least K through 12, right? Like it's mandatory. So, you know, so people know what school is, right? So it's, it's not... Um, so I think we kind of maybe take that for granted about the mission of of education, and you don't and you don't necessarily have to explain it. Where at nonprofits, you definitely have to explain your mission, and you and you maybe you don't love it, you know, the, your first couple weeks, months, but like to be successful, you you got to be able to love that mission and be able to articulate it. So I think that's one of one of the differences. Um, like I said, salary it all depends. So um, like so, I'm in a regional office of a international 
nonprofit. Um, so we very much, you know, we kind of get like everybody kind of gets paid the same for every position, <laughs> you know, like every all the other manage all managers get paid about the same, all coordinators get paid about the same, all directors kind of get paid about the same. So it's yeah, there's a lot of the of parity, um, at least in in how we run ours. Not to say that it's great, <laughs> but like I said, I sleep great at night. And then if you're looking at like, you know, how you mentioned, um, Tom, your friend works for the American Red Cross, they will probably have like either all of Southern California, maybe all of California. I'm trying to think how the American Cross, like those positions, yes, they 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 do pay better. And I, I don't know if they pay great, but I know they pay better than, you know, a, a smaller regional, you know, very, very focused um, nonprofit. I think yeah, that's so always that's the, the, the trade-off, right? Like, you know, and I think part of it is why some, you know, we, we justify sort of not getting paid a lot in education either, right? Is because, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a mission, there's an internal passion. Like I always justify, like I went into education because I loved sort of the, the work that I was doing and the impact that I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, you know, so I, there's a trade-off and, and I, whether you're making a large salary or not, you know, at the end of the day, are you, like you said, are you, are you going to bed with a smile on your face? Are you feeling like, you know, you've made a difference in the world? And, you know, I think, you know, part of the reason, and this part of the reason I wanted you on the show is that, you know, everybody is attracted to different things based on who they are. Um, you know, not everybody can be an educator. Not everybody can work in nonprofit. Not everybody wants to work in a corporate environment and money doesn't drive everything. Um, and so I think that that's a, that, that's a, that's a testament of, of what you do, but also who you are, but also sort of why, why it's important to sort of keep that perspective. If you're listening to the show that, you know, what you go into doesn't necessarily uh, isn't necessarily driven by 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 money or by fame or whatever the case may be. It might be driven by the fact that you want to believe in what you do and you want to get up to work every day and not feel like it's a job. Um, right. And, and that's yeah. what I felt like when I worked, you know, when we worked at USC, I got up every morning feeling like, okay, yeah, I got to run this orientation program. But at the end of the day, like, I feel like I'm making a difference in, in right. particularly the, the orientation leaders that I was supervising, right? Yes. So I think that that's an important aspect to sort of call out. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, I was thinking when you when you said that, I was like, gosh, you know, what originally attracted me to student affairs, um, and I would say this like in the my probably like I probably would even say it now if I was interviewing, um, would would be that what initially attracted me was that I had such a blast in college. I wanted to make sure other students did too, and that people had a great experience. And and I, you know, clearly, you know, lost track of that, lost it, you know, somewhere along the lines of, you know, going up the the ranks, which is, which is a shame, but I feel like I found it again in nonprofits because I, you know, I lucked out and got to work with, you know, the volunteer program. And so it was, yeah, like people like paid to volunteer with us, right. <laughs> and, you know, their corporations paid, you know, us to, to have their employees build houses with us. And so, yeah, they were, you know, these small manageable events where people were just ecstatic to be there. And, and it did feel, um, and it does feel like that fun is back in my life again um, with the, with my job. Um, And so, so, yeah, I I have a follow-up to that. Just a quick question. Then we'll get back to the regular schedule, regularly scheduled agenda. I'm curious how Habitat has, has responded in the pandemic. Like, you know, pulling groups of people together to build a house prior to the pandemic was a no-brainer, but pulling people together during a pandemic to build a house might 
have safety issues and health issues. So how how are you all managing that? And you know, if somebody wants to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity right now, how do they? What's the process to sort of go through in order to do that? Sure. So um, because we're we're an affiliated organization, so each individual Habitat office we had kind of guidance, but it was kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. They're really just you know guidance. It's not <laughs> um, it's not like hard set rules. Um, but uh, yeah, so we you know in Southern California we were handling it a lot different than say they were in Florida, right? So if people wanted to volunteer, how how we pivoted were a couple different ways. On the construction sites, we really limited it to our regular volunteers. For us, it was about three um, folks who had been with us volunteering two or three times a week for the last like eight years. So we allowed them to come back. We shut down our volunteer, you know, our on-site volunteering at our restores, at our construction sites, and at our rehabs, our home rehabs or repairs. We shut all that down. And then for uh, how people could still get engaged with us and volunteer was um, we pivoted to online opportunities. And so we created like kind of like what in higher ed, we'd probably call them lunch and learns. But it was definitely that pro- that idea that I said, well, why don't we do this for our, our organizations? And it was just like, oh, my gosh, we do these all the time. You know, lunch, you know, lunch hour, you know you know, professional development or lunch hour, you know, mess, you know, programs with our students. And so I was like, sure, we can put this together and we'll do team building and we'll do, um, you know, interactive, you know, games that are transformational that help people understand the affordable housing crisis in the San Gabriel Valley. And, and we did. And, and yeah, and people still paid us to, to do that. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's, that's really great. Cause that, you know, it, you hear in the, in the press, like what's happened to companies and you hear what's happened to schools, but you haven't really heard what's happened to nonprofits. It's not something that's made the news, but you know that the nonprofits are, are having to deal with, with COVID just like all the rest of us. And for those who are interested in pivoting into nonprofit, it's, 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 I think it's important for them to hear and understand like, hey, there are COVID protocols, there are differences, you know, sort of from from what, you know, was pre-pandemic. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you sort of diving into that. Um, I, I, before I turn it over to Jamie to ask the question, have you ever met Jimmy Carter? I, I just have to know. <laughs> I personally have not. Wait, have I met Jimmy Carter? No, I personally okay. have not. But there is the Jimmy Carter work project. And so, right. like, my boss has been, you know, with him and Rosalind you know, uh-huh. building on a house. Yeah. So yes, they very yes. much are still, you know, our greatest volunteer, most well-known beloved volunteers, uh-huh. but um, yeah, but now Garth and Brooks and Trisha Yearwood and the property brothers are like four folks who are really stepping up and getting ready to, to take on that next mantle of, of leadership. Um, if the Carters decide to retire. Yeah. I don't think he ever will. I think he'll be building houses until, you know, the day he moves on to the next world. And I'm, I would say, did the day he moves into heaven, because that man, yes. at, you know, oh, 90 yeah. plus years old, still, still out there <laughs> building homes. Like, you know, no matter what your politics are, what an inspiration. So yeah. sorry for the aside. I just had to know. No, it's great. Have- it's great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Most people think he, he's our founder and I'm like, no, he's just our biggest volunteer. Volunteer. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm just not up on things, but I suppose also I uh, I was born in England, so my knowledge of political things isn't as strong as uh, Tom's. Yeah. But um, needless to say, I have really enjoyed hearing about your experiences and work in uh, the nonprofit space, and and wonder you know if if you could sort of sum up advice you have 
um, for folks looking to move into a nonprofit. And, and I would say even so much as like how to find and get mm-hmm. their way into the door, because I think it's probably for some a no brainer that that's you know, where they want to go, but they just don't know how to find out about opportunities and, and really get that consideration. What advice would you give? Sure. So there's, I think, a couple different ways you could go about it. If you don't have friends who are in a nonprofit, you know, that you are interested in, you can always like look up their, like we we all have websites, right? Because we all like get money through, you know, the internet, right? So, um, so I would say, you know, look at nonprofits that, um, like resonate with something that's really important to you. Um, for me, obviously housing, I was in residence life and housing. So it was an easy, you know, it was an easy volunteer experience for me to do that. And then, yeah, volunteer or just ask if you could, you know, chat with someone. Um, you know, we all have really big hearts. It's pretty rare that that people will say no, right? <laughs> in, in nonprofits, we're pretty kind. And um, and then I would say once you, you know, find one that um, you really resonate with, and um, has an opening because they they're not necessarily going to make a position for you. That that's probably one of the things that that's not yeah. Unless you know somebody pretty high up, it's probably not going to happen. Once you but once you're there, like yeah, I think some things can happen right once you get in. So what has been really helpful for me when I was thinking about like what do I want to do next now that I have not only you know volunteer management now, but also fundraising is to think about the resume, right? Because we have, it's so higher ed is so, first of all, I want people to know we have tons of transferable valued skills. We just call them something different than what they're called in corporate, what they're called in nonprofit. So in, in my nonprofit, it's a lot of project management, program management. You know, we, we wouldn't call it programming because people would think we're like coding, right? Like, no, that's not what we mean. Um, So I would say, and this is something that I did that was really helpful for me is I had someone whose role I was like, okay, I think this is where I'd like to go next in my career in the nonprofit world. And so I had her look at the position I wanted to go into. And then I, you know, took a stab at what my (laughs) resume, you know, now that I'd had the jargon down a little bit, but if if it was if I was brand new, brand new to to transitioning out and pivoting out, I would say still ask someone who's in a role that you would like, but maybe not in the role that not the one that you're applying for, right? Not don't go to the company and be like, hi, how do I get your job? Um, but a similar job, look at the job posting or the job description, get your resume, do your best to 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 make the make it sound like the job position, <laughs> and then have someone who does know what the jargon is really, and to help design your resume as well as, and this was what was really super helpful for me. It was someone who had knew my work. Um, she understood, thank goodness, she had also been in um, education <laughs> and she had also been in fundraising. And so she was able to be like, oh, well, you did this, you did that. And so it was just really nice to have someone who you know, admired my work and 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 could see it because I'm in the thick of it, right? And so to have some some out an outsider perspective, but an insider, um, or like an outsider view, but an insider perspective on how to do that. So I think that for me was really helpful. Um, 
So, yeah, but we do have, and I, I really hope if nothing else, like I really, today I was like, what do I really want this conversation to, what do I really want to share is that we do have a ton of transferable skills. We just call them something different and right. don't let that stop you. Like help find someone to help you figure out what those words are in, in the nonprofit, in the field, in the industry that you want to go into. Um, because I think that's, that's kind of like for me anyway, that was what was holding me back. Yeah. Well, Leah, I think we'll leave it at that. The advice that you've given right there is absolutely perfect. And, you know, sort of the reminder to, to everybody listening and, and Jamie and I have, have said this and we'll, we'll beat it like a dead horse is that, um, you know, your skills are transferable. It's how you translate them um, on that resume. And, you know, a little bit of a, of a uh, sort of a plug there. Don't forget that Jamie and I do offer cover letter and resume services, and we specialize in helping folks who are trying to pivot out of education. So don't hesitate to let us know if we can help you. But Leah, thank you so much. I, I, you know, I recognize that it's been a half a minute since we worked together and I so appreciated being able to stay um, connected through LinkedIn and through Facebook and be able to see the great work that you're doing in nonprofit, in the nonprofit world, and particularly at a, at a nonprofit that, uh, you know, is, is something that I, I know is near and dear to, to many folks. Um, and, and one of the things that I will say, and sort of the, the connection that you made um, between being a director of housing, director of residence life, and moving into a nonprofit that really focuses on housing, what a great way to sort of build those skills and build or find or take the skills that you've developed and, and take them outside of higher education or outside of education as a whole. And, you know, for folks who are out there listening, that 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 to me was one of the the, the pieces that really stu- stood out as well as taking what we've learned and moving into a role that is very similar. It's why I hire orientation pe- orientation people to be onboarding managers because it's the same thing. Um, it's just you know different language that we use. So Leah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us as well. Don't forget to take uh, to check out the show notes and you'll get to see Leah's contact information. And I know that she's always willing to to talk with folks. And if you're interested in volunteering in Southern California, I'm sure she'll also sign you up as well. So thank you to everybody for listening and we will be back next week. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast and our consultation services, visit pivotingoutofedu.com.